I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season. Welcome back to Look Ma, No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and I am joined today by Carrie Colbert. She is a colorful content creator. She was really one of the first influencers, and she is currently the founder of Curate Capital and mother to her beautiful daughter, Elle. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, Laura. It's such a treat to visit with you. Well, I have been so looking forward to having this conversation. You're one of the first people I wanted to interview when I actually came up with the idea for this podcast. Um, You became a mom really unexpectedly later Mm -hmm. on in your life. How old were you when you got pregnant with Elle? I was 40 when I gave birth. Yeah. You were 40. My mom was actually 41 when she had me and she was 40 when she got pregnant. Yes. And I was also quite the surprise. I am an only child. Wow. So, um, yeah, I knew you were an I only always... child, but I didn't know your mom was 40. Um, knowing, she was 40. Yes. Knowing your mom, um, as I do in real life, and how beautiful she is, I did not <laughs> picture that she you was 40. You do the math. Gave... If yeah. anybody knows how old I am, you can figure out how old my mom is. Although she's made me swear to secrecy, I would never broadcast that number <laughs> in any type of social media forum. I think there are certain pieces of information that you can just figure out. So <laughs> I won't amazing. say the number, right? Yeah. I won't say the number, but... um you know, you, so you had your daughter Elle, um, several years ago and she's really, um, been such a huge part of a transformation that so many who follow you, which is 91.5 thousand people get to just view and, and see and witness. You were really one of the first influencers that I remember. Like I remember getting, um, Instagram and it was like, remember like old school Instagram, we were all taking pictures of like our, yes. the trees and the coffee cups. And I know a yes. lot of us really miss that right now. Oh, exactly. And, and, um, and people thought it was right? so profound. Like, yeah. wow, that is the beautiful, you know, picture of coffee. She filtered it just right. And at the time, uh, Instagram would have this, it was called the popular page. It's the explore page now, but I would yes. end up on the popular page of explore of Instagram. I thought, Ooh, I've really made it. This is cool. You've really made it. Well, <laughs> well then there were the people who kind of broke out of the mold, like stopped using the Instagram filters and started mm-hmm. using different types of photography. And you were one of those people. And I remember <laughs> you and I and I discovered your Instagram and I was like, oh my God, like you were kind of, I mean, this word, this, this term doesn't seem like it fits all of you. It seems kind of too small for you, but I'll use the term fashion blogger. You were blogging about outfits and your blog at the time was called wear, wear well. So it yeah. was about like luxury and travel and um, and fashion and and you had all these gorgeous, bright, colorful photos. And um, yeah, I mean, you were one of the first people to start really putting that content out there and then everything changes. You ended up getting pregnant with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a post that you wrote saying like, don't worry, this isn't going to turn into a mom blog. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> I had my yeah. kid already. And I was like, yeah, I, I know, man, we all try, but then we end up having these kids and they're just so cute. We have to like talk about them all the time. Right. Right. Um, but so I had this, um, you had your, you had your daughter and with Mm -hmm. someone who you're no longer with, and this was like just a very, and you were very open about the struggle and how that was going to change your content moving forward. And now you're the founder of a VC firm, which is, um, called Curate Capital. So I'm going to let you take it away from here and just tell us 
what that was like having something so huge happen in your personal life when you had this big following that you were kind of trying to figure out how to relay to and um, what all of that looks like for you now. Yeah, sure. So we'll we'll throw it way back um, to Instagram. You know, I have the username at Carrie C, you know, short. Yes. And the reason I have that is I was literally on the app the first week it was released. And How did you so, know like, to get on well, it? I'll share a, a personal detail I, I don't think I've talked about before, but I had actually gone through a divorce about a, week, a year before. And in that time, I was all about Facebook. You know, I was on Facebook, you know, everyone was on Facebook. This is like 2009, 2010. Everyone was on Facebook. And, and, you know, it was just, it was too tough with my ex in laws and family. Like it was just, so I quit. You were kind of trying to avoid that whole Yeah. Thing. Like I was just, you know, working on myself and, you know, kind of reinventing me. And so I'd gotten on Twitter during that time. Okay, fine. And then I heard about this thing, Instagram. I heard, I don't even know how I heard about it, but the very first week, I think it maybe launched on Monday and Thursday, I was on it. And that's how I got at Carrie C. And um, yeah, so the whole like evolution, um, you know, putting out content, as you said, I mean, it was never thought to be content. Like I just started kind of documenting my life and it was just something you really loved doing and it happened yeah. to be beautiful. Yeah. Also, actually, to throw it back even further, um, I, I used to be, I don't know if you know this, Laura, I used to be a professional scrapbooker. Did you know that's a okay. thing? Okay. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I had no idea, but now it makes sense. Cause I'm like, so, there's no way you just like knew how to curate. Well, well and, so, and I'm not talking... Yeah. Yes. Let me let me give a, a disclaimer and defend myself. I'm not talking about the cheesy, cutesy sort of scrapbooking, but back in the day, I'd say like maybe from like early 2000s to about 2010, it was really trending. And there are still some people that do it. And it was like modern memory keeping, if you will. So like cool, think graphic design, um, all that sort of stuff, like just more like modern scrapbook pages. And there were actually whole magazines dedicated to this. Um, in fact, Better Homes and Gardens had a... a scrapbook magazine it was called scrapbooks etc I think so I was actually um an editor I had a monthly column in their magazine and so no way yeah so this was like shortly after I'd you know gotten out of college and so um uh for those that don't know my undergrads in engineering and I well I guess I didn't have my MBA at the time but I worked in the energy industry for almost 20 years so here I am like kind of in my 20s fresh out of college working an engineering job by day. And then I would come home at night and scrapbook and write my scrapbook column and all this sort of stuff. So, so funny. So I've always kind of had a creative bent. And what's so funny, Laura, um, is that a lot of the people, some of the people that follow me on Instagram these days and my blog and all that, they've known me since way back in the scrapbooking days. And one of the coolest compliments that I, I receive over and over is your outfits today or your Instagram today reminds me of your scrapbook pages from way back when like they were I'm gonna have to go like see if I can get happy. something from the archives yes oh goodness yeah so I forget where I was going with that a bit okay the scrapbooking background so I, I kind of like the whole like taking pictures and preserving memories so I thought okay well this is you know Twitter wasn't really my thing it's all text and so this Instagram thing oh, I want to try this out you know this is photos and you know words and memories and so there you have it and then you know I was at a point in life at that point where I was traveling a lot, um, doing, you know, fancy things, uh, dressing up. And I was very into fashion at that point. I'd had a, a decent amount of success in my corporate career and, you know, had no kids and um, had lots of expendable income. And so I it was all into, worked out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of high-end fashion and travel and that sort of stuff. And so that's what I was posting about and never with the intent of being a quote-unquote influencer or blogger or any of those things. Um, so I just started naturally growing. Um, this was in the early days of Instagram. And so then, um, long story short, I, I reached a point, I think I, I was in oil and gas for 18 years. And I have to say, I worked for one of the most phenomenal companies, um, very uh, entrepreneurial minded. The founder is a, a self-made billionaire and, uh, you know, had the opportunity to work on the leadership team, um, both on the engineering side and then kind of the finance side and strategy and investor relations and all sorts of fun stuff like that. And, and you know, had an opportunity to have a s- small stake of ownership in the company. And so it was very motivating, very engaging. Um, you know, I, I had so many uh, great lessons that came out of that. But there came a time when I kind of just hit a wall and knew I was done. Um, it was just, it was a very intense environment um, with not a lot of flexibility. And, and I was just ready for something new. So I kind of retired from that in about, I guess about four years ago at the end of 15, beginning of 16, beginning of 16. So yeah, four, four, four and a half years ago. And to be frank, I didn't really know what the next chapter was going to hold. Um, by this time I had started my blog. Um, so, but again, at that point it was like more for fun, more for documenting things. I, um, of course always looked at it as a business, um, but it wasn't responsible for supporting me up until then. Right. And so then I retired, um, and was really looking at all options. Um, actually, you know, friends of mine from the oil and gas world, we were looking at starting a, another oil and gas company or investing in some of those deals. And I just sat in a lot of, um, boardrooms and, you know, looking at that stuff. And while I had the technical know-how to make that work, I just knew I was like, no, Carrie, this is exactly what you're getting away from. This doesn't motivate you. This doesn't excite you. It does, you don't feel it in your soul. Like now is your time to pivot into something else. And so that's when I really, you know, made the decision to kind of walk away from that, you know, background altogether um, from a, you know, professional standpoint. Um, and so then, like I said, um, it all kind of just played out very organically. I got to say, Laura, actually being on Instagram is what led me into what I now consider, you know, my two passions, the the content creation, the creative side, but also investing in female founded businesses. So the first, you know what it's like, I mean, to be a female founded business owner yourself. That and I, I've connected with most of the female founders that I've uh, that I work with now. I've connected with them through Instagram. Um, in fact, the first connection came directly through Instagram, and um, and this is really where I kind of developed my interest in this. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Packed Party. Um, they're based in Austin and founded by um, one gal, Jordan Jones, and Jordan and I met on Instagram and she um, started her business when she was very young, 23, I believe. And um, she was at a a pivotal point of kind of moving away from uh, a licensing deal she was in and um, needing some, you know, kind of uh, advice. And she knew I was coming to Austin for some meetings and she reached out and asked if I would like to get together. Um, And so I remember sitting, we had met at Joe's Coffee on South Congress and I told her, you know, look, when you're ready for investors or, you know, board members, I'd love to, you know, work with you. And she's like, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And I think it was another year later when she was ready to do so, she came to me and I was able to be her, her first investor. And that all came out of an Instagram 
um, connection. And, you know, she's a great hustler, so creative, so, so good at connecting with her audience. But hopefully, you know, I brought in some skills and as well as capital that really kind of met some, some needs she had right then. And, you know, I have just utmost respect for what she's created. And that really got me energized as to seeing how we can really accelerate, you know, women's path to success in their business by just investing, you know, a little bit of money and a little bit of know-how um, with with what I've had, just had the experience, you know, to learn over almost 20 years in, in my career. So it's not that it's any rocket science uh, or that I'm, you know, my knowledge is superior to anyone. It's just that I've got that under my belt. And if we can apply some, you know, basic good business practices and whatnot, we can really kind of speed up the process of getting, you know, to the finish line or accelerating that growth and getting you to where you want to be. So yeah. what was it do you think that, you know, you had, you know, you're building a following posting these really colorful photos of your life. Uh-huh. And then it slowly sort of transformed into being a business model for you and for a lot of people who were doing that because there's brands that are paying you to promote their content. Um, sure. What do you think it is that that what do you think it is that you did differently? Because I mean, thousands, if not millions of people have gone onto Instagram trying to do that, right? It's like the dream to be able to make your own hours and make your own schedule and make your own living really doing and sharing what you love and ideally getting paid to do it. Yeah. But what was it that you kind of were able to bring to the table? What was it that you felt like you understood about Instagram and about marketing that helped you get to the point where people were brands were coming to you? And saying, hey, we want you to promote this and we're going to pay you for it to the point that it was ultimately able to um, help you build your own business. Yeah, that's a great question, Laura. Um, Again, you know, I certainly don't want to sit here and act like I'm, you know, some expert. A lot of things were just right time. What is it? Right place, right time. Um, But I will say that, you know, there are maybe three things that I think I, I do fairly well first is to be, you know, human and be relatable, which I used to not do very well, because I'm very guarded. I'm actually a very private person. But you know, I realize that people want human connection. Um, I heard a quote, I believe my friend, blogger friend, Blair Eady said this, brands are trying to be more like people these days. And people are trying to be more like brands, right? Like, yeah, personal brand, but then brands are like, trying to have a personal side to them. And, and really, I, I find that what people want, you know, more these days than just a, a cash or, or a, a monetary transaction when they're buying something, they want to feel connected to the brand, to the person, you know, that wants to be, they want it to be more of an experience than just a transaction. And so, you know, really, what I focused on is, is being human. Um, then that's number one. And then number two, you know, thinking like, my customer, which again, I did not start out being super good at this, but like thinking about my community, like what is going to resonate with them? Um, you know, and, and I have to say my, my content used to be more, uh, aspirational. Look at me, look, I'm wearing this, you know, $2,000 dress in, in Paris. Okay. Well that has a place in this world, but that's definitely not where my business is now. My, it now is very much more practical, real life, how to elevate the everyday, if you will. And I think a lot of people uh, appreciate that right now. You know, we're, we're all kind of living in um, <laughs> making do with, with life right now, right? We're confined to our home right. a lot and, and we just want things to be special. And so how can you elevate the everyday? And then the third thing is that, you know, I think I've somehow <laughs> uh, engendered a lot of loyalty from my followers. So I hate to say followers, even I say community more often, but sometimes people don't know what I'm talking about. But rather than 
audience or followers. I, I like to think of it as a community. And, you know, I've got a lot of loyalty there. And I think some of them, it, maybe it's just because they've been with me so long from the scrapbooking days. There were scrapbook message boards and they read the magazine and they've been with me that whole time. Or others, um, you know, have just followed along since I've been on Instagram. But, you know, I think more about depth than width. And I think that is really maybe set me apart. I got to say, I refuse to do these loop giveaways that, you know, so many bloggers have done. I've seen so many people pass me by in, in terms of sheer number of followers. And here I think I'm playing the long game and I think I'm being smart. And I'm like, well, crap, I'm stuck at 90 something thousand. And now so-and-so is at 120 or 150 and, you know, or 500. What am I doing wrong? But I really, really think that I in my heart, I know I'm doing the right thing, focusing on going deep with my people, not worrying about going wider, you know, hopefully eventually, yeah, I'd love to, you know, kind of grow a little bit, get over a hundred you know, thousand followers, but with what I have right now, it's working. And so I'm thankful for who I have and, you know, what I've built as it is, like, I'm not just about the sheer numbers. Uh, my people are loyal and, you know, react to what I post and, and buy what I say. And that's because I'm not pushing people to, to, to overly consume things, right? I'm not like, oh, swipe up. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. It's more about, you know, being authentic and real. And I don't want to encourage overconsumption. I don't want to encourage financial irresponsibility. You know, I want hopefully to inspire people to kind of live their best life as cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> Do you think that some of that is motivated by, I mean, does the transformation in your content was handed, was right in line with your own personal transformation. And you were just saying like, yes, I'm wearing like this $2,000 dress in Paris, but that's really not what anybody necessarily wants to see right yeah. now. There are still like a lot of bloggers sharing photos of themselves right now in $2,000 dresses in Paris, regardless of the fact that we're totally not in that place right now. So like, what do you, isn't, what do you think about the fact that it was sort of like circumstances outside of your control that ended up like totally transforming your life? And really, I think it's such an amazing story personally. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, I, it was like involuntary, but it brought you all of the knowledge and wisdom and understanding that you have right now that you're sharing. Certainly. Laura, I, I didn't plan to say this, but I'm thinking back. If I look over the last three years, I had an unplanned pregnancy, a very hard pregnancy, a very, um, uh, I gave birth uh, largely alone. That's, you know, another story, but then an unplanned uh, separation and breakup and move uh, 10 months later, then a, nine months later, my house flooded. Um, and we lost almost everything and lost that home. And now we're in an apartment and then, you know, COVID happened and this happened. That ha I mean, I could go on and on, but you know, a lot has happened that I could sit here and say has been pretty sucky, but really, um, <laughs> does that, yeah, it's really, no, I mean, like, I, yeah, it's like this, uh, like it is, it but is. Whether we're looking yeah. at, you know, this COVID situation or whatever, like if we don't come out of it better and changed, then it's for not, then I could sit here and be like, that sucked. But if we use it to really transform who we are and refine ourselves and, and really like chip away and leave behind that stuff that doesn't serve us anymore, you know, we really have an opportunity for growth if we allow those things to, to, you know, mold us and change us in a good way. I, I, I think, think that's a, such a beautiful message. Oh, thank you. Well, I think that a lot of my life, um, not necessarily by design, but by, you know, circumstances has been defined by, by, pivots, right? Like 
I went through a divorce. Um, you know, of course, no one plans that. Okay, pivot. I changed careers. I became a single mom. I changed my you know blog direction. Pivot. I um, started a venture capital fund. Pivot. And for me, a lot of that's really exciting, right? Like, it's never changed my vision of what I want my life to look like. Like that's always been set. But it's been cool to kind of be able to to craft it to look the way I want as time has gone on, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's beautiful. And I've also had so many conversations recently and I felt this myself that this giant sort of catastrophe has happened. And if we don't take life up on this gigantic pause and all of this discomfort, because discomfort really is the key to a better life. Like if we invite it to come sit with us and if we invite it, if we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable and to and allow ourselves to be transformed by that discomfort, we really, I think, can have the things that maybe we wanted, but we weren't, we didn't even know to ask for. Yes. Um, and I, I think this tragedy, like, and, and what's going on in our society right now is an amazing example of that. And you're no stranger to it. Mm-hmm. And just not allowing yourself to get knocked down by it, but allowing it to transform who you are and what your message is. I think in your case, like making you so much more relatable mm-hmm. and um, giving you this way of maybe connecting with people who were following you um, in a totally new, in a totally new way. So well, let's mm-hmm. say, you know, somebody's listening to this right now and these aren't the early days of Instagram. We've got like a totally oversaturated yeah. Instagram market, but I've never seen so many ads in my life for <laughs> how to build a business through Instagram and like how, and I think I'm wondering if those ads are kind of coming to the surface right now because people are out of work and they're mm-hmm. like, how can I make money? Um, what do you think, like, honestly, like the real opportunity is for starting your own business that's marketed through Instagram right now? I, what What is your perspective on that? Yeah, Ooh, good question. I, I'll say this, that I think, so I'll back up. I'm probably not going to answer your question directly, but bring me back to it if I don't get there right away. So for me, um, when all this first hit, I was very nervous and I'll even, dare I say, scared that everything was going to dry up for me because I'll be real blunt. I, um, yes, I have my, my venture capital fund. We invest in female founded businesses. We're building a lot of long-term value. All that's great. But on a day-to-day month to month reality, my, um, content creation, my Instagram, my blog, whatever, that is 100% what supports my daughter and me. And so, I was scared that like when all this hit, that brands were going to freeze up um, and stop all partnerships. And I did have thousands of deals, thousands of dollars of deals canceled right when all this hit. And I was quite nervous. Um, I think once after about two weeks or so, when the initial um, shock and panic of it all um, maybe maybe waned a little bit, uh, brands started coming back around and I've frankly been more busy over the last two months than, than I was before. And I'm you know very grateful for that. Now I will say the type of deals I'm getting have shifted. Obviously I think it's key to focus on things that are applicable and relevant and timely and not tone deaf right now. I've seen several influencers really, really, take a wrong turn with kind of what they've been saying or doing. During oh, yeah, times. there's a lot of tone deaf influencing, I think happening. You're definitely yeah. right. And so, you know, I think that maybe for for those of us that that have a, a 
decent head on our shoulders. I was going to say a good head, but you know, who are, who are <laughs> sensitive to what's going on in the world. Um, you know, I think brands are, are, are coming to us and entrusting us to tell their, their messages right now. You know, so I've had some, I'll, I'll just rattle off some of the, the brands that I've worked with during all this because I'm one thankful to them. And two, you'll see, why I'd selected to work with them, right? So I, I turned down a lot because they they just don't seem appropriate right now. Um, mm-hmm. I want to be very careful so that when I do publish sponsored content, it feels authentic, it feels relevant, it feels timely, it feels on brand, and it feels, you know, appropriate for right now. Now more than ever, we need to be very careful how we choose our, our words, our messages, you know, and and the the images that we use. So some of the brands that I've, I've worked with lately, um, I worked on a Mother's Day campaign with Southern Living and uh, Essie nail polish, and it was yeah. all about how you're going to spend Mother's Day at home. Uh, I worked with. I mean, I can't even imagine. I feel like the nail polish companies right now are probably like. <laughs> I haven't looked into nail polish stock, but they're yeah, definitely yeah. going up, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I worked with Whataburger, um, you know, on on their campaign. This was a month or so ago about you know how they were offering their curbside pickup. You know, you can order online right. and and pick up and. You know, at, at that point, it was just nice to get out of the house and go, you know, go to Whataburger and sit in your car and have them bring you food. So anyway, putting my kind of creative, colorful spin on those sorts of things um, has been a, a, a great, you know, value add to to those brands right now. You know, they can't go out and produce their own, own content necessarily, you know, right? Like people can't get together, um, you know, gather in large groups and, and hire film crews or, you know, uh, photography crews and higher talent and they can't go produce their own ads as easily right now and so there's really value in entrusting their messages to influencers who are responsible and can really talk with a voice of authenticity and authority um, in a way that's that's relatable and respectable to their audience. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I think that with each sort of, you know, catastrophe, there's like a new wave of perhaps opportunity that didn't exist before. And I think that a lot of these companies are going to be reaching out to people like you um, and to just everyday folks to advertise their product because there's not like a big studio photo shoot going on anymore. People aren't gathering together. So I think it's cool to discuss that there is going, I mean, a lot of opportunity is going away and a lot of businesses are just completely closing down, but there's going to be also a new horizon and new opportunity um, that's going to be available to people who want it. So you are on a podcast right now that centers largely around motherhood. Um, (laughs) And I have to underline that you have everything that you just said you've been doing with a two and a half year old at home. Yeah. Um, So I've got to ask the question that I ask every parent, which is really just for me, because I'm doing this with two kids at home. And I just want to know how you're doing it and how you're surviving. <laughs> um, yeah, some days, you know, I'm okay. Then other days, I feel like I'm barely hanging on. So yep. um, yeah, she's been with us 24 uh, seven. Um, since it's more like know, 20, like, and I feel like it's like 28, seven, there's like more hours in the day. 28, now. 10. I don't know. Yeah. Something more like hour, that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's intense. Like, you know, she requires a lot of hands-on attention. And so, um, my, um, partner's well, I'll say fiance, um, Mark. Well, wait, I- wait, hold on. So he's, he's your, so you're everyone who's following you just got a really new little piece of information that Yay, we didn't we got, have before, which is got, that you're engaged. We've you did all this without news. telling us. <laughs> We've got breaking news on look, Ma, no hands. We have breaking news. Congratulations. You are Thank engaged. You. And yeah. this is as of February. So, so you have so a lot ta-da. of exciting to do, my friend. 
Okay. Okay. So, okay. Backing up to the point where I was, I am kind of private. Um, and, and I'm, I haven't been keeping this a secret like for a reason, but it happened in February and then kind of all, I, and I was, I was just kind of keeping it to myself for a little bit. And then, um, yeah. And then all this happened and it hadn't felt like the right time to announce, like we haven't gotten any, you know, great photos, you know, to announce it or anything. I don't know, but yeah. Well, you so. have to in your pajamas, right? <laughs> yes. So right. it was the most genuine, heartfelt, but unplanned thing. Uh, I'll, I'll make a real long story short. So we actually got engaged on Valentine's day, but that wasn't planned like a Valentine's day engagement. So Mark was supposed to be out of town on Valentine's Day, but he was missing us. He came back early. Uh, my ring wasn't supposed to come in until March, but my my dear friend Jennifer at Golden Thread called him and said, um, I don't know why, but your ring came in three weeks early. It's here. So I don't then, know why. <laughs> then we didn't have we didn't have Valentine's Day plans because he wasn't even supposed to be here. So we were just having takeout at home. And then, you know, we had had, I think, some Italian food, whatever. And then I was getting ready to bathe L and Mark's like come out outside on the balcony and he started talking to me and I'm like oh yeah don't you even try to to propose on the balcony here in the apartment no 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 and I was just being funny and facetious like I had no clue he actually was trying to propose and I'm a horrible person because of that but that's okay so I'm oh like, no you're not no no no. so I like grab L I'm like oh, come on L it's bath time and so I basically cut him off and took L and uh bathed her and then um, you know, finished that I had on pajamas and she was still running around naked. Like, I mean, totally naked, no pull up, no pajamas. And he's like, would you please come back outside? And so he, he came, you know, got me out there and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you really are doing this. I'm like, but wait, you can't do this now. Elle's out here naked. Like she's out on the balcony naked. I'm like, you oh can't do that now. He's like, well, I am. And so it was very heartfelt and very special and very, and uh, just very meaningful with the three of us. Carrie, <laughs> I am so happy for you. Seriously. I'm oh, so thanks. happy for you. And you mentioned when we weren't recording that he has been instrumental in helping you kind of get through this time and both oh, of you guys gosh. working with with L, which I think a lot of couples can relate to, just like the trade-off yeah. and yeah. making well, it work. There are so many positives to the situation. Like you get to have more bonding time with your kid, but it's also absolutely exhausting. Absolutely. And I, I have to say our um, mutual friend who introduced Mark and me, she's a, a wedding planner and, and she and her husband had known Mark from church for like 10 years. And she, I remember when she was going to introduce us, she said, well, this is hard to explain, but I know he'd be a good family man and, and dad, he's the family type and he doesn't have any kids of his own. And she's like, but he, I just know, I just know he, he is. And, and it's certainly true. He has um, been very hands-on with Elle and, and really um, more of a partner than I could ever imagine. Um, another personal tidbit that, you know, you're getting lots of exclusives here on Look Ma No I'm really, hey man, um, I'm grateful. I'll take it. I'm so, I'm so happy for <laughs> So I actually, Laura, I, I made a, a statement, a, a decree, if you will, um, when I got separated um, from, from Elle's father, I said, I am not going to date. I am not going to be with anyone. She needs the full attention of one parent, at least like she needs me to be 100% devoted in her corner. And to be frank, this is the part I was, you know, hinting at, I, I had a horrible step parent experience uh, in my childhood. And, and I won't get into that, but a really, really bad stepfather. Um, and, and I was not going to take that risk with, with Elle. And, and, you know, clearly I don't have the best track record with, um, 
men in relationships. I was like, nope, not even going there. Like I'm going to cut, you know, cut myself off. Like I, I don't care if I wait 18 or 20 years a day, like I'm going to be 100% devoted to her. And so I was very hesitant to even meet Mark. I was like, no, no, I'm not interested. And, and finally I was like, okay, I, I can at least have dinner with another adult. Like I was literally just like working, taking care of Al and, you know, taking care of myself, keeping myself right. sane. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. I'll have dinner with another adult. And anyway, we, we hit it off right away and it just kind of felt like it was meant to be from the beginning. Um, oh so, my gosh. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So that's a long story short, but yes. So I don't, I brought up the word fiance in terms of how we're, we're handling this um, with L and, you know, before um, she actually isn't, uh, or wasn't in preschool, um, with all the changes that, that we've navigated in her young life, I had felt it more important to keep her in a kiss, consistent, loving environment. And so she had a nanny um, who also has two young girls around her age. So she was around kids all day, but was more like in a private, you know, home setting where she got more like dedicated attention. So you know, mm-hmm. that for me, that's what was still felt right for her. Um, we were going to look at preschool, you know, next year or something, but that, so that was Elle's routine was going to her, her nanny's house and getting to play with the ninas, as she says, <laughs> Elle speaks about half Spanish. Half. Yeah. Elle go see ninas. Yeah. You want to go see the ninas? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And so, but since all this has happened, she has 100% been with us, you know, 24 seven day and night, whatever you want to say. And so, at first, we were just like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? Um, I will say we are fortunate that our office space is is just kind of like less than a block away from our home. It's a co-working office space. So technically, it was closed during all this. But we had um, permission, um, and it had been deep cleaned and everything. Um we were able to walk like from our apartment across the street and come up to our private office within the co-working space. So a space no one else enters. And we were still able to access that. I mean, we could literally come over here without seeing anyone, without touching anything. Trust me, you know, safety was still at the top of my mind, but we were in a small apartment. And so at least that gave us some sort of you know, separation, change of scenery, if you will, to to get work done. So it would only be, you know, um, one of us at a time or whatever. Um, so we were certainly safe, you know, before I, I get you any, you know, hate mail. Oh for, my gosh. No. <laughs> of course. I, well, I try to be responsible, you know, with what I show and I don't ever want to encourage anything to do anything against guidelines, but, um, and I, and I don't think this, this was against it. I mean, it was a very safe and what have you. So I think we're all just doing our best, especially right now. And like, that's such exactly. a great example too, of how we just made it work. Like, I think when this first started, all parents around the world were just like, Oh my God, how am I actually going to do this? How am I actually going to do this? And we have found ways to really make it work. It definitely doesn't work a hundred percent of the way. I mean, I still have a lot of days actually where I just hit a wall and I'm like, this isn't sustainable. And I don't think it's supposed to be sustainable. It's not a normal situation, but it has shown us that there are parts to being at home more often and having our kids Mm -hmm. with us more often that are really great. And we can really take something away from that. Yeah. And so we've really taken like a tag team approach. So Mark's an early riser and he'll wake up at 4.30 or 5 or 5.30 and come to the office. And so he's super productive in those early morning hours. And then, you know, by mid to late morning, 10, 11 o'clock, we would kind of uh, shift 
um, shifts, uh, trade-off shifts. And, um, you know, I'd come to the office for some, you know, hours of dedicated, focused work, um, you know, and, and then he would go spend some time with Elle. And then we'd kind of all reunite in the late afternoon and, you know, do things together in the, the afternoon and the evening. But, you know, I'm the type, I, I don't do well, like, distracted. I need to be, like, super focused, and, you know, just knock some things out. But yeah, I was like, I can't do this at first. It was, you know, we were trying to just like everybody be together and everyone trying to do all the things at once. And that just didn't work. But this kind of frustration was real for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you have something that you really care about. And this is something I talk about with my husband all the time. Like I'm so passionate about my work right now. Um, but it's also like, I'm used to having that time to just focus on it. And then I have my time just to focus on my kids. And this whole like season in our lives has just been about learning how to really let go of my expectations in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and understand that I'm not necessarily going to be able to give either one, my full undivided attention and letting that be okay. I mean, I've seen Mm -hmm. my three and a half year old just become so much more resilient. She's so much better at occupying herself than she used to be. Yes. Uh, giving her the opportunity to learn how to do that because that's what we have to do. And I think that's really been good for all of us. It's been a struggle for sure, right. but it's definitely had its benefits a hundred percent. Yes. Very wise. A hundred percent. So you're now venturing as of recently, I would say within the past year, you've started Curate Capital yes. where you are investing in female founded businesses. So you talked to us about one of the businesses, which is Packed Party. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it really for you um, that motivated you to start Curate Capital to really make it? I mean, because you've been investing in female founded businesses just sort of like on the side, but yeah. to make an entire company, because Mark, I believe, is working on this with you. Am I correct about correct, that? Correct. Correct. And so, yeah. yeah so, yes. Yeah, so, through being online on Instagram again, um, you know, I was meeting you know, various founders, I was um, learning of these female founded businesses, and then I would have the opportunity to speak at a lot of conferences. So whether it be Mom 2.0 uh, Summit, uh, Alt Summit, Create and Cultivate, South by Southwest, all these various, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, conferences built around, you know, mom entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs or, you know, just female entrepreneurs in general, I was seeing so many great opportunities. And so, you know, I did what I I could with what I had, um, so to speak, but I'll be frank, most of my capital is is currently deployed um, in the, (laughs) yeah. Um, I get it. The opportunities coming in were so good that we didn't want to pass them up. I mean, it's really rewarding to be able to to help woman to woman, um, to, to help another woman really grow her business and succeed in what she's passionate about. Um, yeah. And so, so last fall we made the the decision, um, to, to start curate capital and, you know, that's been its own challenge during all this. So we have had, we've never had to seek out businesses to invest in. That's, what's been cool is that through being online, through, you know, having my blog and social media, through speaking at these conferences, through these connections, the deals come to me. And we're talking top-notch deals with women who are Forbes 30 under 30 list people, um, women who, you know, just have these phenomenal ideas, these phenomenal, and more than ideas, they're already phenomenal businesses um, that we can just help accelerate a little bit. So that's never been the issue. Um what we are in the midst of right now is actually um, capital raising. 
And um, again, this is kind of a, a look ma no hands exclusive here. We had always planned to kind of press release at the spring, March timeframe, April timeframe, and really make a, a big buzz about it. We haven't done so yet um, because of everything that's happened. But so we've been kind of quietly behind the scenes still, you know, reaching out to, you know, friends and family, if you will, uh, and raising some funds. But yeah, so we'll we'll make this the official kind of announcement of Curate Capital. So if you know of any female-founded businesses looking for funding, if you know of any people you know looking for a good place to put their money right now, um, we do believe that a lot of these these businesses are so well so well positioned to really succeed you know, through and beyond this current crisis, right? So we we know, of course, where the stock market is. We know that, like, people are struggling financially. But if people do have, you know, some money that they're looking to put somewhere else, you know, maybe take it out of a volatile market and really invest for the long term, some of these female, you know, founded businesses are just really positioned to meet the needs um you know, of women and families going forward. So, so we're really, um, you know, excited about the opportunities ahead of us and, you know, kind of how they're already naturally positioned to, um, to succeed, even in this harsh environment, um, much less, you know, once this passes um, and we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an incredible. Thank you again for the additional Look Mono Hands exclusive. <laughs> I'm feeling very, very loved right now. And um, just so proud of you and to know you and to watch the way that you have taken challenges that life has presented you with and just transformed right along with them. I think it's such a lesson that so many of us can learn from right now that we can take anything life throws at us and just make it work. And maybe it'll make our message even more resonant and into something even bigger than it ever could have been before. So thank you for sharing all of that with me today. I'm honored. And ditto for you. I've been so uh, privileged to watch you take off with this. And I, I think I've probably told you until you're you're tired of hearing it, but you are a natural at this. You are so articulate. You are so well-spoken, so uh, just inspiring with with the messages that you're bringing to us these days. So thank oh, you, thank for, you. Uh, for what you're doing. I look forward to every new episode. And, and now I'm super flattered to, to actually be on an episode. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to share it. Thank you so much, Carrie. And for all of you listening along who might not be following Carrie, her (laughs) Instagram handle, which we've talked so much about is at Carrie C. Um, Thank you again, Carrie, for joining me. I'm your host, Laura Max Rose. You've been listening to Look Ma No Hands. I hope you will share this episode if you enjoyed it. And we will be joining you again next week. Take care. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, 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 mom.